USAA is proudly celebrating 100 years of serving the military community. It was a group of soldiers who launched USAA in 1922 by joining together to insure each other's vehicles when no one else would. Since then, USAA has grown to more than 13 million members strong. And through it all, one thing has remained. USAA is still serving the military community and their families. Find out more at USAA.com 100. Veterans Voice here an interview excerpt with Air Force Combat Medic veteran Crystal Martin. Then meet Army veteran Tim Megan Jr. with an in-studio performance from his album Cook County Country. Be prepared to be inspired with these stories of hope and healing. It's just ahead. And hot! Welcome to the Veterans Voice presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center originating from the Optum Podcast Studio in partnership with podcast channel sponsor, Medicare Mentors, technology partner, Colorado Computer Support, and supporting partner, the WireNet Home Services. Welcome back, everybody, to Veterans Voice. I'm your host, Paul Watson. Today on the show, we have Crystal Martin, a former combat medic that has a journey that she wants to share with our listeners about her struggles with PTSD and and her journey to be better on the other side. Crystal, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. We're just happy you're on here sh- uh, sharing your story because that's one thing that we've talked about a lot on the show is a lot of people don't share that story. A lot of people keep it in and, and they keep it to themselves. And that's that's part of that struggle. How about you uh, give us a little bit of background about your military career, how it all started? Sure. Just a young girl from a big family out of San Diego and uh, didn't have a whole lot of money for college. And I happened to see a poster downtown one day that said, uh, we'll pay for your college. Walked in and next thing I know, I was signed up for the Air Force and was just going to stay four years. And I ended up staying a little over 20. So tell us about your your journey. So you had a, had some PTSD go on, some anxiety, stress. Um, tell us a little bit about that, that background. I, I don't know if this is the case with a lot of people, but I got out of the military and seemed to be just fine. And I went on with my life and I worked for some years in our businesses. And then uh, when things changed and we sold them, I went and finished my nursing degree and started working in nursing. That went along for some years, just fine. And then, um, you know, when I came out of the military, my husband noticed some things like I all of a sudden for the first time in my life had some anger issues and that was causing some problems with our marriage. I seem to be having for the first time anxiety and what I called panic attacks, but again, didn't really do a whole lot about it. Mm -hmm. And so one day I was moved there to urgent care. And I think I had been in there maybe two months and we had a patient, a burn patient brought in. And that was the first time I actually had what they define a trigger. And it was such an incapacitating trigger that I literally could no longer work in urgent care and then discovered I could no longer work in the clinics. So one day the switch went off and um, it was the most horrific thing for me to now, you know, I pretty much lost my career, couldn't function, couldn't uh, get up in the morning. It's just as if my whole world crashed in on me. So Fast forward, I started to go see somebody to get help. I thought maybe, gosh, it must be a brain tumor because it came on all of a sudden. 
but I had a lot of things ruled out. But let me tell you the most, uh, the toughest part of this was as a woman, there, there's not a whole lot of help for women with PTSD. And by the way, I, I didn't even put this out there. Also a military sexual trauma that happened in the beginning of my career. So I had two things going on, but there wasn't any type of real acknowledgement of women in PTSD. If you think about it, we weren't really taking those combat roles. I came in in 87. They were just kind of starting to ramp that up. So by the time we started retiring, you know, around my time of retirement, there weren't a whole lot of us out there with PTSD. So I was pretty much told um, that it was PMS, premenstrual syndrome. Then I was told it was postpartum from when I had my daughter. Then I was told it had to be menopause. And I even had a doctor say, you know, women just get sad and blue sometimes. And, you know, when that happens, just go home and have a martini. So I I was very depressed about this, very, um, very sad, very embarrassed. And I am so blessed that I had a husband who was incredibly supportive of me going through all this. And then, of course, the medications, you know, you get dished out all kinds of medications. And I think the medications made me worse. I think, you know, I was walking around. One of my things was depression and I was sleeping all the time. And I take these medications. Now I'm sleeping even more. Headaches, nausea, sweating. And so that in and of itself takes away from your quality of life. So um, that's kind of up to the point before I stepped into the Aviv clinics. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, you know, it's sad that, that you got that reaction. So with your history, what do you think that trigger was caused by? I mean, it was, I know sure. you had, I know you had your combat deployments, but we all keep the, we all been through things and we, you know, so yeah. Mine was a hundred percent the definition of the pot finally boiling over. Like just never took care of anything. And then one day I had a full on panic attack, almost had a heart attack. Mm, yeah. Finally, finally, what I was diagnosed with was I, I have uh, my military sexual trauma incident and I was diagnosed with what they call a moral PTSD. So my incident had to do with and you know, when when I was medical, when I went in, I, I was very young and I don't know what I was thinking. I thought, well, I get to save lives and I get to, you know, help people. And what I didn't know about was the ugly side. And that was when you go to war. And so at some point, me and a little group of people had to process a, a lot of very burned bodies And um, I had just had a baby uh, approximately six months and two weeks prior to the deployment. As soon as I was eligible to deploy, I left my six-month-old daughter back in Germany and deployed. And so, like I said, just processing burned bodies. But I ended up having a a moment where I had to take two little... um, toddlers, a baby and a toddler off of a mother uh, who had all been burned. And for some reason, that was an extremely difficult thing that caused um, for some time for me, a lot of anxiety and depression. And, you know, for many reasons, guilt separating them. I felt like I, I took this woman's babies from her. I just a ton of things. And that's, you know, where things begin like nightmares and flashbacks. And so when I was in urgent care, years later, 
when that woman came in, her and her child, they were both burned. Um, that was the trigger point for me. That was the breaking point where everything came flooding in like Niagara Falls and just kind of destroyed my life from that day forward. I'll tell you, Crystal, that, that story alone, I, you said for some reason this affected me. Well, I, Crystal, I think that would have affected majority of people in that situation. So you yeah. don't like, don't take anything away from that. Like it's, that's amazing. That's horrible, like horrible to have to experience, but that's, you know, again, like you said, the realities of war that is some of the things that are just the hardest to process. That's the things that just happen in war are hard, absolutely hard to process. Um, and we all signed up to do it. I have to do this thing that I just absolutely feel horrible about. And yeah. And, and that's where I think a lot of that disassociation and compartmentalizing comes in is we absolutely just want to push that away. You just don't want to have to think about that. And then like, like you said, it comes up in the future. So what, what was your journey after that? Where, where did life, because yeah. you're doing great now from, yes, um, I am doing a lot better now and, and things, this is where, uh, I didn't have any of these diagnoses until later, but what happened was my husband and I, you know, we were in such a bad place. I don't know who I was. I didn't recognize myself. My biggest thing was I felt like I was hurting and destroying everybody being the way that I was and they would be better off without me. So what we decided to do was move. We thought maybe, you know, a change of environment and, you know, warmer weather uh, would work for us. And we came down to Florida. You talk about divine intervention. My husband opened the newspaper and he saw an article in there from a clinic called Aviv, A-V-I-V. And the article said they were looking for military veterans who may have the following symptoms. And my husband was reading it and I was just going, check, check, check. And it was in the field of hyperbarics. And they said they were taking interviews. So I went. As I'm talking to them and they're asking me questions, I kept saying, please don't take me if there's somebody worse. Please don't take me. I, I think mine is really a small thing. And finally, they they just said, Crystal, stop. Yeah. Stop. No absolutely not. And we are moving you to the second phase. And I'm sorry, Crystal, we have to take a second here for a word from our sponsors. Optum Colorado. Veterans Voice is produced in the Optum Podcast Studio. Optum Colorado is and Mountain View Medical Group, part of Optum, offers 20 clinics throughout the Pikes Peak region. Their primary and specialty care doctors provide quality, patient-centered, backed by Optum's industry-leading health services and technology. Optum is dedicated to helping our community live healthier while keeping care affordable. Visit Optum.com slash Colorado to learn more and schedule your appointment today. Medicare Mentors. When it's time to consider your Medicare options, it's time to talk with Medicare Mentors. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, is veteran-owned and long-standing Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center partner and the Veterans Voice Podcast channel provider. More than that, they go above and beyond to make sure when you need them, they're there lending a helping hand. Medicare Mentors, powered by Spark, always above and beyond. Visit MedicareMentorsLLC.com for more information. All right, now we're back here with Crystal. Get out there and talk to someone. Talk to someone you trust and make the first step because if you don't, you're you're not creating a footprint for those in the future, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. That yeah. That, that's that step for self self-care. Mm-hmm. branches off to so many things. It, it branches off to, like you said, one, you're number one, you have to take care of yourself. 
and then your family comes next. And you, you'll you see going down that path of how possible it is. It's not easy. It's a commitment. Um, it gets easier as you go. Mm-hmm. But then you then you put yourself into this world of of help and you see all these other people that are in the same cycle and dealing with the same things you are. And there's a lot of people that then, like you, see that and now they're better and they want to help other people get better. So now you're creating a purpose for yourself. And that purpose is huge. That purpose is very big. And once you feel that purpose and you see that first person next to you feel better, like you do, Mm -hmm. man, I don't think there's a better feeling in the world, to be honest with you, of just seeing people go down that journey. So go out there and get help. Just like Crystal said, um, it's, it's important for you. It's important for the the generations ahead of us. Um, you got to get out there and do it. And we have, and we have resources. So let us know at Mount Carmel and shoot us an email here. Um, we can get you linked up with Crystal if Crystal would like to. And yeah, uh, if you want to hear more, absolutely. About, yeah. More, hear more about, uh, Aviv and all the different clinics around. We can, uh, we can get that stuff out there. So Crystal, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. I know you affected someone out there today. I promise. And uh, I, I just really appreciate uh, you being open and honest about your journey. So thank you. Yeah, Paul, and thank you for what you do. And again, I know uh, Aviv uh, will probably hear this. Thank you so much for what Aviv does. And if it wasn't for you, um, people like me wouldn't um, be where I'm at. So thank You're you so much. You're listening to The Veteran's Voice, presented by USAA in partnership with Optum. Medicare Mentors, Colorado Computer Support, and the WireNet Home Services. All right, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, so you were in the Army for, what, three years, four years? Four years. Four years. Uh, how many how many deployments did you have in that time? One combat tour to Iraq yeah. from 2004 to 2005, but I was in Korea prior to that. I was part of the 2nd Infantry Division that they pulled out of there, and I was one of the Fortunate ones that did my entire year there. Yeah. Had my orders going back to the States before they stopped, lost us, and sent us to Iraq. Oh, man. So you were— 13 Bravo. It was artillery. Artillery. Yeah. But you you kind of ended up in a little bit of a different role when you are in Iraq, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, prior to our deployment, they, were, they gave us two-month train-up. And um, they took my entire battery and they divided us up. And they had no reason to have three firing batteries whatsoever. So our uh, headquarters and service, they all were going to run their respective roles that they did within that. And they divided uh, our Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie batteries up. Charlie battery was going to do FOB security. Bravo battery was going to do actual counterfire with artillery. And Alpha, which I was in, they said we were going to play an infantry role. And um, my two-month train-up in Iraq was with Green Berets, with Rangers, with infantry guys, using the latest intel that was coming from Iraq and learning the tactics that, as an artilleryman, we don't really (laughs) practice all that much. So two months in the uh, monsoon season of Korea of training how to be an infantry guy. You were prepared to go do something, and you did something completely different. Right. We joined the military, right? Whoever tells us what to do, we got to freaking do it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so you're out there kicking doors now in Iraq with special operators. How 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 was that? I mean, as, as an artilleryman, and now you're you're out there kicking doors. But I mean, I'm sure learning it was fun curve, at sometimes. Giant learning curve, <laughs> yeah. even with what we trained up in. You know, um, Iraq was you know 2003. 
you know, what the intel was coming back. That and was a nasty time there. It, well, that was, I got there in 2004, so the intel that we were getting was coming from 2003, and so it was it was changing rapidly, and mm-hmm. so even everything that we had learned in Korea, you know, you could apply some of it, but a lot of it was just hands-on, in the moment, learning what to do and mm-hmm. the tactics that the enemy was using on us at the time yeah. to just continually adjust to what was going on. Um, we weren't ready for it. I don't think anyone that went to Ramadi, Iraq at that time was ready for it because Ramadi was not the Ramadi that the movies and the books were yeah. written about. It was Fallujah at that time in 2003 into 2004. Yeah. And R- Ramadi started growing into what it became. Yeah, I mean, that was that was some of the roughest part of the war. That 2003-2004 time frame was when, you know, we were, we were going in there and getting into some stuff and uh you know i'll I'll even tell you from the special forces side of the house i know these guys weren't even they weren't even prepared for some of that stuff and that's you know i ask you like for us you know sometimes man you're running and gunning and it's a blast you're having fun yeah but a lot of times you're not no (laughs) you know a lot of the times you're like oh highs and lows for sure i want to get shot at man no you don't (laughs) (laughs) but uh so did, did you feel like you eventually got prepared for Do you feel like you, your brain made a switch of like, oh, wow, this is what I'm doing now? Or was this kind of like a dream every day where you're just kind of floating along? I, you know, I think my age helped out a lot being I was 20 years old when I got there. And I basically accepted that I was going to die. Wow. I really did. Based off of what was happening to my unit, my, my battery, the guys that I was with intimately um, and knowing what was happening around the city, I, I just got to a point where I was like, I'm going to get injured pretty bad or I'm going to die Wow, is where I, my mind went. So it was just like, what am I going to do? I, I can't change it. I'm not going to leave these guys out here and try to play a, a mental game of, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. I just accepted it. And the mission's got to get done. Yep. I didn't have a wife and kids at home either. Yeah. I was a single guy, so yeah. A lot it, of my deployments just, were later in life. My combat deployments were later in life, and it, it, you know, it's going into it. I couldn't imagine doing it at twenty, to be honest with you, man. Like, it, it, it's there's so much more learning that you still have to do in life to allow your your head to get to that place at twenty years old is is wild that's that's crazy you've you've used music to to cope to heal um with with these with this these situations and this ptsd if you don't mind me you know calling it out it's you know ptsd stress and anxiety you have a song that's it's one of the first songs i heard you sing um it's about a stretch of time in your life do you mind sharing that 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 stretch of time that tough time that, that you went through that uh when you told me the story, I was just blown away. No, not at all. Um, I'm assuming we're talking about April 16th, 2005. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the first songs I wrote and basically um, explained what happened to my unit. And um, for me, it was uh, coming home, processing everything that happened. If you could paint a picture of what it, what, what you were going through and, and how that day and that stretch of time became what is, what is the song of April 16th. Yeah, so uh, after... I was roughly about seven, eight months playing the infantry role. We we had lost three guys killed in action and another four wounded so bad that they were medevaced out. So my, my battery was hurting mm-hmm. for 
people to run the missions, basically, along with all the other roles that people played. So um, they eventually switch us back to artillery. So we're going to go do our jobs that we, you know, we were trained to do that all of us went to school for. And in Ramadi, they would mortar us every single night. And the artillery pieces were a big part of what they wanted to hit because we were the counterfire. Mm-hmm. Every time they would shoot at us, we'd shoot right back. And so it just so happens we make the switch from this infantry role into an artillery role, and the mortars were consistent every single day. And uh, on April 16, 2005, it, all the days that my, my buddies died were terrible, but this was by far the worst because on this day they killed three of our guys, which was the other half of my section. And um, we had one survivor. He was burned upwards of 80% of his body. He actually lived. And, yeah, so when I started writing the song, you know, that uh, it was April 16th, 2020, I think, when I came up with the very last verse of what I think I was trying to say in this song. And um, for me, it was a no-brainer that the name of the song was April 16th, 2005, because it was a, a day of days for my battery. Tim did bring his guitar in today, so he is going to share... So, Tim, if you don't mind, you uh, you want to play April 16th for the listeners? Sure. Nights I wake up in my bed All these memories living in my head Guess the whiskey only helps for a while Now I'm dreaming Thinking I'm about to die Cause you can't go to war Not think about it
let me tell you why. October of 2004, I saw three of my friends die. October 6th, 12th, and the 29th. Then on April 16th, 2005, three more died in just one night. One more gone after we got home. See, he just couldn't take the pain anymore. It was one year, Ramadi Iraq, and I'm seeing, knowing we were never coming back. Tim and I have been friends for going on a couple years now, and I've heard that song probably a hundred times, and it kills me every time, man. That's the words of that. Are, <clears throat> it's uh, pretty meaningful. Check out our podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Hear the whole story and stay informed when new episodes drop. The Veterans Voice Podcast is updated weekly with even more episodes and topics for you to dive into. You can also hear us via Wreaths Across America broadcast. And for our local listeners in Colorado Springs, tune into Veterans Voice every Sunday at 7.30 a.m. on KRDO Radio. Also, if you have any show ideas or want to be on the show, feel free to give Mount, Mount Carmel uh, a look on the website. You can find Angie's and I's emails on there. Um, shoot us an email. Tell us what you think, what you want to hear. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You've been listening to the Veterans Voice Presented by USAA. Veterans Voice is a service of Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center and originates from the Optum Podcast Studio located on the Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center campus in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The podcast channel is provided by Medicare Mentors. Computing Power is provided by Technology Partner Colorado Computer Support. Additional funding is provided by Supporting Partner The Wire Nut Home Services. Veterans Voice airs on flagship station KRDL News Radio Sundays at 7.30 a.m. The podcast publishes Saturday at 8 a.m. and is available on all your favorite podcast apps.
Are you a veteran-owned small business seeking resources to help you on your entrepreneurship journey? Did you know available resources can include federal contracts and property? Reach out to the Colorado VBOC to learn more about the government surplus property and set-aside contract programs at veteranscenter.org slash VBOC. Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center, a proud partner of Next Chapter, a community wellness collaborative serving veterans and their families. Locations in Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Trinidad. If you or someone you know might be considering suicide, dial 988 then press 1. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans, have you downloaded the VA Health and Benefits mobile app? It makes it easy to manage your health care and benefits. In a newer feature, the app lets you review your VA prescriptions. Download the app on your iPhone or the Google App Store or wherever you get your mobile apps. That's the VA Health and Benefits mobile app. 